Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There's a few reasons why people don't share the gospel. The number one reason is fear. People are afraid of being rejected. They're afraid of, of being asked questions they don't know. They're afraid of all these things. Let me tell you how to overcome that. When you die to yourself and realize how unimportant you are anyway, so it doesn't matter if I look stupid afterwards. It only matters if I look stupid when I'm the big deal, right? When my main objective is for me to look good, then I don't want to share the gospel with you because you look kind of smart and you might ask me some stuff I don't know, and then I'm going to look dumb, and I really want to look smart, so I'm going to just let you go to hell. That's messed up. Nobody likes to look like a fool. Today, Pastor Bill tells us that most Christians don't share the gospel out of fear. But isn't fear something that should be behind us since we have God Almighty on our side? Nevertheless, we get scared of being made fun of or rejected or treated differently by our friends. And the only way to move past that fear is to move past yourself. Don't let your pride get in the way of someone else's salvation. No embarrassment or shame is worth more than someone else's eternal soul. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 9 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Please don't come offering me your righteousness. God said, you just come in faith. Take my righteousness, right? Now, his righteousness is not a filthy rat. It's a beautiful thing. It's a free gift. It sets us free, right? Because my righteousness comes from Jesus, I don't get to be better than you, right? We got the same deal. We believed, we received, we've been made righteous. Who gets the glory for our righteousness when we come through faith? He gets all the glory. So then now we're not a bunch of religious snobs running around looking up our nose at one another like, well, I prayed this long. And did you do the Bible reading all year? I did every day. You know, we, we don't get to do that because our righteousness is wrapped up in him. I got the same deal you got. That's what God wants, because God knows how we are. And if it was left up to us, we would be one up in one another and we'll be looking at other churches. Oh, you guys, you guys don't do that because mm, we do that. And that's, that's, that's how people get religious, thinking like now, if I have anything to do with my right standing, I, I get prideful. I'm going to go to heaven one day and I have nothing to do with it. Jesus did everything necessary to take me to heaven. So he gets all the glory, all the credit, all the shine. I'm a, I'm a recipient of a great gift. Well, I get to worship him for it. I can praise him for it. I can respond in service and worship and thankfulness, but it's a gift and I received it, right? I'm not a big deal because I'm a pastor. That's my part in the body. It's not a bigger part than the worship team, the sound guy, the people that are doing children's ministry, the people that set up and tear down. We're all just doing our part in the body. Who's the big deal whenever we gather? I tell you all the time, Jesus is always the big deal, right? I'm up here, but if I'm up here and I become the big deal, I did this wrong, right? I'm up here proclaiming to you guys that Jesus is the big deal. If you leave here, I want you to leave here realizing that Jesus is everything. He's done everything for me. Everything I need is wrapped up in Jesus. If you never walk in this building again, but you get Jesus, that's a win. That's a win for the church of Jesus Christ, that you would know Jesus and his forgiveness and his righteousness upon your life. Amen. And so moving on now. So, so the Jews were missing it because they wanted their religion and they were missing out on what God was extending and offering to them. And in verse five, for Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law, the man who does those things shall die by them. And so, again, if you live according to the law, you're going to die. You can't keep the law. You can't do it. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up 
from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. So we're not reaching up high in heaven to go get God, bring him down. We're not reaching down to the abyss to bring God. God says, my word is right in you. It is in your heart. I place it there. It is near you. It is in your mouth and it's in your heart. God says, I place it within you. There are certain things that we innately know without even any teaching. We just we know them because they're the truth. God's placed them in our hearts. That He's revealed them to us. He's made us aware of these things. They're things that people just know. As we have those things, the things that God has revealed, God has made known to us. If you talk to people that have no religious experience, there'll be things that they just innately know. Is it wrong to murder somebody? You'd be hard pressed to find non-believers that are like, I don't think it's okay. You know, we just know. We know it's wrong to lie. Everybody knows. That's why, that's why you hide it and try to cover it up. There's certain things that God's out placed these things in your heart. I've written them on your heart. And so it's not something we go seeking after. God said, I brought it right to you. And again, since he brought it right to us, we don't we don't get the glory in it. We get to worship him for it. And then it says in verse nine, and this is um, when we explain some of the what do you, you got to do to be saved? Verse nine and 10 is always when you're sharing the Romans road. This is where we come. This is how we bring it to conclusion. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus or that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so God says, what, what do we do to be saved? We believe we confess with our mouth. Our belief, right? What's that mean? God doesn't want your belief in him to be a secret, right? There's no 007 Christians. You can't be ashamed of Christ and it'd be legit. Anybody here that's married, I always tell married people, you need to wear a ring, right? What do you think about a married man that don't nobody that know him know he married? Yeah, he sees a snake. Something not right. How come don't nobody that know you know that you married? You know, and they all, you know, you talk to people all the time. That, I'm concerned about that guy. I'm concerned about the people that, you know, some that's married and, and it never comes out in conversation. You ain't never mentioned the wife and the kids and the family and this and that. You look single, no ring on your finger. I'm concerned about that. Why are you hiding it? And so when we know the Lord, God says, confess it with your mouth. Confess what you believe, that Jesus is Lord. Um, that you believe he's the Lord of your life. God, I confess it. I believe you are the Lord of my life. It's true for me. And it's another part of the gospel. It's an important component. You can't be saved without it. That Jesus rose and he rose from the dead. Um, you can't be saved without believing in the resurrection. And this is one of the places where people stumble. Some people really struggle at the resurrection. So I have a hard time believing that. That's a part of the gospel. Without it, you can't be saved. If you don't believe that Jesus not only died, but rose from the grave. If Jesus just died, he's just like everybody else. Everybody dies, right? If Jesus just died, there's, I don't have any guaranteed hope for after I die. I'm going to just die too. But what Jesus did is after he died, three days later, he defeated death. He rose from the grave. And so for those of us that believe in him, we believe he died. He rose again. That's my hope. I know that just like he, he's a he's a first fruits of what's going to happen to me. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise. I'm going to die, but I'm going to live again. Death won't be the end for me either that I believed in Jesus. I mean, so the death, the burial, the resurrection components of the gospel. That if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. The promise right here is you will be saved. Some people have a hard time with that. That sounds too easy. It doesn't sound hard enough. You must have to do something. And so there are churches today where you got to confess the Lord, believe in Jesus, die the cross, rose in the grave, and then be baptized. You know, the apostolic church. Then you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus specifically. Then you got to come out of the water speaking in tongues, the evidence that you feel, and then we'll acknowledge that you're saved. I got a friend of mine right now. Now I'm saved. I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I do speak in tongues. But my friend is like, you didn't get baptized in Jesus' name. He thinks I'm this close to being saved. 
He's invited me several times. Please just come to my thing, man, and get baptized the right way. And I'm like, bro, I'll never get baptized again. My baptism was God met me. I'll never be rebaptized. I got baptized once after I got saved and God did some things that were so my whole life. My, my life went from saved to ministry in, in my baptism. And I, I, that's a marked experience in my life. I won't redo it. Um, but he thinks maybe just do this one more thing. I said, bro, I, I got nothing to do with my salvation. If I bought you a, a really expensive present and I wrapped it up in awesome wrapping and I brought it to you and gave it to you and you unwrapped it and opened it. How dumb would you sound bragging about how you unwrapped it? Man, I, I unwrapped it like this and I took the bow off like that. that that's that's what it sounds like when we try to we just boast in our salvation. The gift, the thousand dollar gift inside. You boasting about how you pulled the wrapping off just the right way and just the right. You were able to reuse the wrapping even if you wanted to. You did so great. That's how we sound. That's human nature. I want some glory. Can I have some credit? Can I have just a little bit? And God says, no, I want all the glory because I did all the work. Right. That's why we do communion regularly. We look back to the cross. We celebrate the broken body and the shed blood so we can remember who did all the work. He did. It gives us perspective. It keeps us in check. Moving on. Verse 11 now. It says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so here God says there's no distinction, right? God didn't have any favorite people group. So I'll remind us as believers, we shouldn't have favorite people groups. Um, what's another flaw in human nature? Whatever your people group is becomes your favorite people group. If you're black, you feel more comfortable with black folk. Most times that's how it goes. But God says, I don't have a favorite people group. Jew, Greek, whatever, y'all all need me. And so I, I can't just be going after people that look like me. Guys, I love everybody. You can't walk by 10 of them to go talk to one of them. I want you ministering to whoever comes your way, whoever, whosoever. We need to really have that heart because it's a shame. But even in a great part of the church, the church is racist. People turn church and the gathering of believers, which is supposed to be all about Jesus, into a cultural thing. Um, and so a lot of churches, they say churches Sunday in many places is the most segregated day of the week. Because at work, you got to work with whoever. And at school, you got to go to school with whoever. But when people choose to worship, they come together and worship and everybody look the same. I, my heart, when we planted Calvary Chapel Inglewood, I said, look, I know Inglewood is pretty much black and Hispanic. So if I ended up with an all black church in Inglewood, I failed to reach half the people here. And that was a prayer out the gate. God, I don't want it to be one dimensional. I want everybody. Everybody should feel comfortable to come worship here. Everybody should be, be able to come together here and say, hey, we're, we're coming to seek Jesus together. The goal is not us and our culture and our things and what we look like or whatever. Our goal is to get to know Jesus. Amen. And so we're going to be careful about that. Um, it's, it's a dividing factor. It happens um, in many places. And so whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise, right? That means anybody can be saved. Whoever will call upon the Lord. Um, and so as we minister to people, I got to sometimes I need God to remind me of verses like this, right? That anybody can be saved because we all know people that look really like, man, it looks like I don't think they're ever going to change. They look really, really, really far away. And God says, whoever will call upon me and be saved. Anybody can be saved. There's nobody too far out there. Nobody out of his reach. There are people that, that resist and whatever, but everybody can be saved. So I need to believe that in order to preach effectively. I got to believe that the people I'm talking to can be saved, that they can change, that God can apprehend them. So verse 14, now we kind of get to God's method, right? How do people get saved? God could have had the gospel preached any way he wanted. 
God could stick his head out the clouds and say, boo, you know, I'm God. Don't ever doubt it again. I'm God. I'm Jesus. How you get saved? Bam. That's how you could have done it. But God's method of having the gospel proclaimed is that those that have received it would go out and proclaim it. So not just preachers, not just ministers. God says, all those that have been saved, I now am expecting you to go out and proclaim this message. That's my method of getting the gospel out. In verse 14, it says, how then shall they call upon him and whom they have not believed? These are all rhetorical questions and answers. They can't. How are you going to call upon someone you haven't believed in? You can't. How then can they believe upon him in whom they have not heard? They can't. And it says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And this is where everybody messes up. Everybody says, OK, that's the preacher's job. How should they hear without a preacher? That's your job. You make sure you get out there and do the preaching. That word preacher doesn't mean like minister or pastor. It means a proclaimer, someone to proclaim. That means everybody here can be a preacher with that understanding. Everybody here has a mouth. You guys got a mouth? You guys all can proclaim. And so he said, how are they going to hear unless someone tells them, someone preaches, someone proclaims a message? They can't. And so God says, my method in getting the gospel out is that those that have received it and been blessed by it and changed by it will go out and share it. That's you and that's me. I do challenge you guys today in, in a loving way. It's not a challenge in a, in a prideful way, but in a loving way, I challenge you to consider your sphere of influence and what you're doing with it. The people that you have access to, are you preaching the gospel? Are you proclaiming the gospel? Are you ashamed of the gospel? There's a few reasons why people don't share the gospel. The number one reason is fear. People are afraid of being rejected. They're afraid of, of being asked questions they don't know. They're afraid of all these things. Let me tell you how to overcome that. When you die to yourself and realize how unimportant you are anyway, so it doesn't matter if I look stupid afterwards. It only matters if I look stupid when I'm the big deal, right? When my main objective is for me to look good, then I don't want to share the gospel with you because you look kind of smart and you might ask me some stuff I don't know and then I'm going to look dumb and I really want to look smart, so I'm going to just let you go to hell. That's messed up, right? When I die to myself and say, you know what, I'm going to just share the gospel. If I look foolish, I look foolish. I get rejected, I get rejected. But at least I shared it. We share the gospel. And the thing is, it's loving someone else more than I love myself. Recognizing their need to hear this message is a bigger deal than, than me. You'd be amazed at what God will do. There are times you share the gospel and it's like sales. If you do sales, you get turned off, turned off, turned off, turned off. And then, but you get that one where you're like, man, that's, I, that made my life right there. That was all week right here. That worked, it was worth it. That one thing right there. You share the gospel, you get turned down, turned down, turned down, lied to. I already know that. I don't agree with that. I'm an atheist. I'm a this. I'm a that. But you come to that one person that was saying, yeah, yeah, I do want to get saved. You almost are shocked. I've done I'm sharing the gospel. You're like, yeah, I do want to pray. And you're like, say that one more time. Did you understand what I said? Let me re-preach it and see if you really, really meant what you said. And it's like, you finally get that person. It's like, man, Lord, that was, man, they all encouraged. And so we got to get out there and do it, though. And so I encourage you guys, if you haven't been regular in sharing the gospel with people. Be encouraged, be challenged, be stirred up in your spirit today that God wants to proclaim his message through you. Amen? amen. So I'm going to give you a homework, right? I don't want, just, I don't want you saying amen, leave, and y'all don't share the gospel with nobody. So would you write down in your notes, write down, write down the name of one person, one person, write down one person. They could be in your house, they could live on your block, they could be at your school, they can be at your job. Write down the name of one person that you're going to go share with this week. Write their name down and then do it. I, I'm asking you to commit to that, right? Because if we hear the word and don't do it, then what, what's the point, right? We want to hear it, then we want to do what it says. And so that's my challenge, that you would do something about what you're hearing today. Verse 15, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, 
How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. It, it, the idea is, in terms of beautiful feet, is, is, is what you're doing with your feet. It's where they're going. It's what they're doing is beautiful. It's not that they're going to actually be beautiful, you know. Um, so you might not want to wear sandals. No, I'm just kidding. But um, the idea is that it's how beautiful are the feet is, is what you're doing now. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm moving in a direction. I'm going. My feet are taking me places where what I'm doing with them is beautiful. Because the ideal is those that are preaching the gospel are going. They're going out. They're going out to do it. So how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Isaiah now the quotations, amen. But everybody won't believe. And you need to be prepared for that when you go out. As you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, as we read those, those guys, most of the people that heard them didn't receive them. They hated Isaiah. And they couldn't stand Jeremiah. That Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. Didn't nobody want to hear what he had to say. And when you look back in the Old Testament at those that God has said, y'all go proclaim my message. I got a word. I want to say it through you. People didn't at large receive it. It was a minority. And so today when we go out and we're sharing the gospel, we kind of need to go prepared for that. God, I'm, I'm prepared that not everybody's going to receive this, but I got to say it anyway. Right. The fact that they weren't receiving it didn't have anything to do with the fact that the people that were called to share it were called to share it. God wasn't concerned with them rejecting it. He was concerned with us sharing it. So we just need to know that. And so he says, everybody, not all have have heard our report. And then he says something really interesting. So then faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God, right? Faith is supernatural. If you're weak in faith, how do you grow in your faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Spend some time in the word. It's going to stir up your faith. It's going to encourage your faith. It's going to build up your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. So we're encouraged to read the word. We're encouraged to listen to the word or read it out loud to listen to sermons, listen to message. Being in the word is something that's going to help our faith to grow. And so even when we preach the gospel, this is important. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then you want to make sure that your presentation of the gospel is out of the word of God. Some people want to make it so uh, palatable that they remove the Bible and they just start talking, regular talk. Well, you know, I just want you to know that um, God this and, and then some of this like that I love and sharing the gospel. I want to I want to use verses. I love take the Romans road. You know, I'll, I'll say what it means and then say the verse, you know, you know, the Bible says that we're all the same. We've all sinned. It says in Romans 3, 23. All of sin and false for the glory of God. I'm, 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 I'm taking God, God, your word. Faith comes by hearing him. I want them to hear the word because they might not ever hear the word again because they don't go to church and they ain't saved. So at least when they with me and I'm sharing with them, share from the word. It's powerful. Know that the Bible, you guys, is a supernatural book. It's living. It's powerful. God uses it. It doesn't return void. So even after you share it and they reject it and you walk away, the spirit of God can take that word that was shared and it can be there penetrating their heart in your absence. Because what you shared was supernatural in its in its in what it is. And so my words are powerless. My, my words are nothing. My words can fall on deaf ears. But God says my words, they do not return void. There's something's going to be accomplished when my word goes out. So give it out. When you're sharing the gospel, share the word, read the verses, memorize them by heart. So in your sharing, you can just flow with the verses. But know that it's supernatural when the verses go out. I know when I got saved, the guy that left a book at my house with Bible verses and the thing that pierced my heart. He left all these verses about hell and I read them. I read them all. They were all on one page, outer darkness, weeping and welling, gnashing of teeth, fire and brimstone. And I remember looking at that page and looking back over it. I did it over a 40 ounce. I did it over a beard, but it got in my heart. It got in my spirit. And I out doing something else, got a track. And, and I'm just, those verses were in there. And a day later, 
after receiving another track with some other with another scripture, it all just kind of came together. And I came to a point that night of believing that I would go to hell and hell was what I had just read. I had always had an idea about hell that was not from the Bible. I thought hell was going to be, a, you know, that was going to be all the freaks and all the party people go. And, you know, I had, I had imagined like what you see on the movies. You know, I figured hell was going to be like a, a party and fire and dark. And it was, you know, and I'm reading this thing and it's like out of darkness. That's not what I thought. Weeping and wailing and gnashing your teeth. That's not what I thought. Forever and ever and ever. That's not what I, and it pierced my heart. Changed my life. I'm so thankful that he left verses at my house. The word of God. So in your sharing, share the word of God. Last thing here. Verses 18 to 21. But I say then, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And here God's making a distinction. He said, look, the Jews have rejected me. I've reached out to them, but they don't want me. Then he said, the Gentiles, I've ended up being saved by people that did, they didn't even seek me, but they, they were found by me. Uh, I was made manifest to people that weren't even looking for me. That's us, right? I wasn't looking for God. Were you looking for God when you got saved? Most of us were not. We were just going on about our merry way, sinning and running amok. And then somewhere along the way, God just came and met you. And God said, there were people that weren't even looking for me. I found them. You guys, I came after. And you guys just wouldn't take it. This group over here that wasn't even looking, the Gentiles. And God used the Gentiles to provoke Jews to jealousy. Look at how they're enjoying their relationship with me. Look at their freedom. Look at what's flowing, just the love and the worship and everything else. It, it would be really hard for some really, really religious people to peer into a real spirit-filled group of believers and the liberty and the freedom and the love and everything else and not want some of that. Not say like, man, I want to go there. Can I take out this ugly outfit and just be comfortable and just go worship with my friends? Can we smile? Can we laugh? Can we, you know, can we do all the things that you can't do in religion that God's not provoked them to jealousy, that they might want me, that they might come to me. And so as we close today, you guys, I want to put a couple things out to us. I've already challenged you that you would Write down someone's name that you're going to share with so we wouldn't be hearers of the word only, but we'd be hearers and doers. And so you can't hear a message about the fact that God wants you to preach the gospel and not go out and do it. And so the best time to respond to the word is right away. So don't be like, I'm going to wait till next Saturday night or Sunday morning on the way to church. You can be looking for that person today. Call somebody up. You may get on a roll and go beyond that one person you wrote down, but God does want the gospel to flow through us. That's one thing. Second thing is this, that we would all be careful about being religious in this way, that you wouldn't be proud of anything you do for God, but that we'd always be proclaiming and sharing and thankful about what he has done for us. Our emphasis, our emphasis wouldn't be on what we're doing. Oh, I do this for God. I, I read this. I prayed that. I shared this. I did that. When you're sharing about the Lord, you want to make sure the emphasis is the things he's done for you. That's always the biggest deal what Christ has done for us. Amen. And lastly, we went through those verses on confessing with your mouth, believing your heart. What has to happen for someone to be transformed? Um, and just remembering our sharing and presenting the people that God made it very simple. It really comes down to believing it. I believe the right thing. I believe that Jesus died, that he rose. And I confess it with my mouth. And I want to make sure that there's nobody here hearing this today. I don't want to encourage you to go share it and you haven't received it yet. 
So if you're here and you're listening, you say, man, I, I need to, re- I, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that if I died, I would be going to heaven. Then I want to give you an opportunity. The Lord loves you. And maybe he brought you here today just to hear that. Just to know that he loves you, that he died for you. He wants to forgive you and save you today. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul knew suffering, and he had faced false accusations, been beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, and hated by his own people. How could a man who has suffered so much rejoice in it? He answers that question through the love of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time you're facing suffering, jump into the book of Romans, dig into the life of Paul, and remember the purpose of the suffering to produce endurance, character, and hope. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill Buffington has been working his way through the rich book of Romans. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person. We have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and one service midweek. That one is held Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're not in the area, we live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us online at CalvaryInglewood.org. Under the Media tab, you'll find links to our messages as well as our mobile app. We're out of time for today. Thanks for deciding to spend your time with us today. We'll see you again next time with more from Romans on a Transforming Word.